What's up? Uh, it's our 200th episode of this podcast that we call Crime Culture. It That's is. That's what's up. We're, we're so on top of things. Way back in April, April 3rd, 2018, we released the first episode. Damn. Do you remember 2018? I barely remember 2020. Like, I, I blocked I most of this out. I, I mean, also, yes, I wish I didn't remember it. I remember it, but I don't. It's one of those things where, like, it's like I a remember, fever dream. It, it is. It's like a fever dream, and you remember nothing before it. Yeah. Like, I had to, I, I, I wasn't going to, obviously, I wasn't going to mention this. I had to do, I actually had to, like, be like, wait, am I 27? I had to do math because I thought I missed a birthday. Yeah. Because somebody somebody on my timeline, I think, had a birthday today or something that like got me thinking. I was like, oh, they're that age? And I was like, wait, I thought I was this age. Like, I lost a year. Yeah. I lost a year. Well, we all lost a year. I'm yes. not special. But. <laughs> yeah. It's been, a, it's been a wild ride just this past year. But yeah, we've been doing this for quite some time. And we've talked about quite a lot. So we thought we would take today's episode and just go through and give some updates on stuff we've already talked about. What's been going on since we talked about it. Yeah. So yeah. here we go. Alrighty then. <laughs> I think you start. So, oh shit, you're right. Yeah, I, so way back in 2018, the very first episode <laughs> we released is about <laughs> Scott Peterson. And yes, which is not a laughing matter. No. But I was on the wrong page completely where it's it, we've color coded this outline and I was like, but it's not my color. <laughs> but here we go. It, it would be my color if I, you know, had eyes. Um, so, yeah. So Scott Peterson, there have been some there have been several developments, multiple docuseries, documentaries that have been released. Um, his sister-in-law is like super on his dick. Um, but w what we're we, we're going to we're going to just kind of talk about what has happened in the past year-ish, a little bit over a year. And that is, so basically, Scott Peterson was able to appeal his case. On June 2nd, 2020, the California Supreme Court heard arguments on this appeal. The defense argued that prospective jurors were improperly excused by the trial judge. Um, allegedly, basically, this, this judge did not... What's the word that I'm looking for? Um, properly, I guess properly vet mm -hmm. is the word that I'm looking for. His like these jurors. Yeah. Um, and we'll get into that in a bit. Um, apparently, two jurors were also improperly allowed onto Peterson's boat. The one that he allegedly dumped Lacey's body off uh -huh. of on Christmas Eve. Um and that the judge insisted that prosecution would be should be present during defense testing of the boat and that the motion to move the trial to another county should have been granted because juror questionnaire results showed that nearly half of the jurors had already like had like a preconceived notion that Peterson was guilty. Yeah. Um, which it's like that that SNL sketch, if you remember, where they were trying to find a jury for O.J. Simpson and they like find a guy that's been like cryogenically frozen and they yeah. thaw him out and he's like, oh, yeah, no, he's guilty. <laughs> like, it, so basically that's what this situation was. Because it's such so, a ho high profile case, though, 
Like, as soon as, like, it gets, I mean, every case nowadays is picked up huge by the media and just spun around. And, like, everybody hears of it and everybody hears, like, depending on where you heard it, you hear a biased side of it. So I think in today's age, it's even harder to find an unbiased jury. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. And that sucks. Like, I mean, I I mean, I, I mean I it's just so hard. Imagine. Like, how do you find... How do you find an unbiased jury? I, I don't think you do. I, I, I think I think that I mean it's just it's one of those things. I, it makes you I, think I mean, like the whole system should be rethought. Yeah, you know, <laughs> wouldn't that be great? It's this is a tangent, and I'm sorry in advance, but long story short, there's some drama. There's some drama going on with a lot of school boards all over the country over people who are anti-maskers and anti-CRT, which is critical race theory. And I actually was talking to my grandmother about that the other day, and she said something to me about along the lines of like, because somebody got very violent at one of these um, school board meetings by me. She goes, why didn't they call the police? And I was like, well, because the police are part of their group like they they are in on it. Yeah. Yes. And so she was just like. Oh, it sounds like we, 93 years old, everybody. It sounds like we just need to, you know, um, I don't know why grandma suddenly, she she grew up in fucking New Jersey, but now she's middle, Midwestern. Okay. I don't know. It just, it sounds like we kind of need to, I don't know, uh, just restart the whole system from fresh. And I was like, if my 93 year old grandmother can get this, then y'all can put this through your fucking heads too. Yeah. And that's on period. But anyway. Um, the, so the prosecution basically said to the Supreme Court of California that they should overturn the verdict only if it was to find that a prospective juror was improperly dismissed and that, quote, there was no credible claim that any of the 12 jurors who decided Peterson's fate were unfair or partial, end quote. So on August 24th, 2020, in a 7 to 0 decision, the Supreme Court of California upheld Peterson's conviction. But they overturned his death sentence on the grounds that the initial judge, who I don't think I've mentioned his name before, um, it was Alfred DeLucci, and he died on February 26th, 2008. So he could not speak to Mm -hmm. any of this stuff that has been um, alleged about the jurors. But they said that DeLucci, quote, made a series of clear and significant errors in jury selection that, under longstanding United States Supreme Court precedent, undermined Peterson's right to an impartial jury at the penalty phase, end quote. Mm -hmm. And again, one of those errors was that potential jurors were dismissed from the jury pool. So basically what happened was they they expressed that they disagreed with capital capital punishment, but they were but they they said they were willing to impose it under California law and the judge still dismissed them yeah um and justice leandra kruger explained that per supreme court rulings since 1968 quote jurors may not be excused merely for opposition to the death penalty but only for views rendering them unable to fairly consider imposing that penalty in accordance with their oath this means this is the meaning of the guarantee of an impartial jury end quote so prosecutors after this in august um of 2020 They initially said that they were going to retry the penalty phase, but they subsequently reversed that decision this past June in 2021, at which point Peterson's attorneys now they're seeking a new trial after allegations against one of the members of the jury um, 
basically said that they committed misconduct. Um, this member of the jury failed to disclose that they had been beaten by a boyfriend while pregnant in 2001. <laughs> And that during another pregnancy, that same juror had to file a restraining order against their partner's ex-girlfriend because they feared the ex-girlfriend would attempt to harm their unborn child. Oh, geez. Yeah. Which might sound like a conflict of interest. Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, just just a just a wee bit. And so that's that's kind of where we're at in terms of Scott Peterson. And like this is still basically what I'm saying is this is still like a very active like what's the word that i'm looking for not not investigation but still a very active case yeah um and i'm interested to see where this goes i'm interested to see what happens um alleged or not allegedly allegedly yes um peterson is going to be resentenced to life in prison as of this past uh, this past september i was i i can't remember when this this is coming out but as of september 2021 peterson is going to be resentenced to life in prison um a judge ruled that this sentencing will happen in november um and basically yeah that's that's what's going on the the you know the da of stanislaus county said that they're not gonna uh retry the death sentence portion of the case so yep. he is not sentenced to death anymore life in prison damn yeah without the possibility of parole and who knows if that will change i know that there's since our since we did this episode we've gotten many messages about it um that there is a lot more gray area out there yep about the case that was not that was not revealed to the public that was not widely known at the time um and so for those who are just tuning in who have just started listening like we we sound a lot more what's the what what, what word would you use Haley? um like biased yeah. against him but that's going off basically like what we knew and quite literally wasn't it like a month later there was another documentary that was really yeah <laughs> it was something like that um, that that kind of started to have everybody questioning what was really going on there. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I mean, but that's and also we're... like on the cases that we're covering, we often like give our own opinion on the case based mm -hmm. on any of the research that we've seen and and everything that we've read and looked at. I personally, after looking at all of the info on Scott Peterson, I personally think if he didn't do it, he definitely had a hand in something he's definitely not mm -hmm. fully innocent mm -hmm. uh in my opinion um mm -hmm. but i i don't know again it's one of those things that like he's not saying anything uh like to the contrary so i i, I don't know yeah the the only thing that really that just uh, that i'm stuck on that sticks out of my mind is there's all this evidence that shows that he could not have done it, but at the same time, why did he flee? Like, he was caught in La Jolla, or as those who just started listening love to remind me, um, La Jolla. Mm -hmm. And that was before I moved out to California, so I, I know better now. Um, no, I don't. But <laughs> it, I just, why why would you run if it's it's very similar and we'll kind of touch on this in a bit too, but it's the it's kind of like with the Gabby Petito case. Like, why is Brian Laundrie fleeing if he has nothing to hide, if he didn't I mean, do it? I, I, I would always think that too. And then 
Um, I've talked about it before, the uh, docuseries on Netflix, Exhibit A, which talks about um, how different, uh, how agencies use um, different types of evidence. And one of those was like one episode was false confessions, which I always thought, Mm -hmm. why would you confess if you did not do it? And it's always like, it's the line of questioning they used. It's the situation they put you in. Yeah. They were questioning you for 20 hours and yeah, n- with no not, breaks. Yeah. With no breaks yeah. or anything, or they're, they're wording things in certain ways that are trying to confuse you. It's like, I can yeah. see how something like that would drive someone to say something just to make it stop. Right. Uh, or they, they make promises. If you say mm-hmm. you did it, then we can give you this. Um, yes. Yes. So I don't know if like, I don't know if the trying to escape is just like his fight or flight response and his response was flee uh, because yeah. he couldn't handle it. I don't know. It, I it's mean, just, that's and yeah. it's a good point. It's a good point. But yeah, I mean, and I think that does that goes along with I know we've said it once before. We'll say it many times again. I'm sure like the police can lie to you. Yeah, the police will lie to you. The the like they don't owe you shit. I think I told you when I was in college, I've, I'm sure I've mentioned this. I had a professor who was a lawyer and he was always like, do not say anything, even if you didn't do it. Do not say anything. Yeah. You call somebody if you have nobody to call. You call me, but you have to call somebody and you need to not say a fucking word because they can twist your words. They can convince you that like, oh, this is off the record. Nothing is ever off the record. Yeah. And it's just it's. Uh, yeah, it's a nightmare. It's it's it is. It's a fucking nightmare. And even my 93-year-old grandmother knows it. Um, I love you, grandma. Hi. Please, I hope she's not listening to this. <laughs> but next up, we have Mark David Chapman, which was our third episode. Um, and for those who don't know, Mark David Chapman is um the murderer of John Lennon. If you don't know John Lennon, I'm sorry, I can't help you. Yeah. Um But yeah, so in August 2020, Mark David Chapman was up for parole for the 11th time. Damn. Yeah. How do you think that went? Yeah, well, I'm I think as long as uh, Yoko's alive. Yes, absolutely. Nothing's going to happen for him. Yeah, she is vehemently against his release, understandably. Um, But no, like, obviously, that's that's I'd say a good reason and a a factor in it yoko ono and their sons yes um but also so according to tapes acquired by abc news during his hearing chapman explained to the parole board that he killed lennon because he was quote angry and jealous end quote over lennon's lifestyle and was seeking quote glory end quote for himself in killing a member of the beatles which i'm sorry dude do you just not want to get out of prison that you're going to like divulge this information? Honestly, this is the most truth I think he said. Like he said oh, yes. some, he said some bullshit in the past. Yes. I think this is this could be the real actual reason he did it. Oh no, this is the truth. Yeah. I I am in agreement with you there, but at the same time, the time to say it was like years ago. What is it? I was going to say what is it? 30 plus years now? Yeah. Like now is not the time um like nobody wants to respectfully no not respectfully fuck this guy nobody wants to hear from you anymore nobody gives a shit yeah like so but yeah so he told the parole commissioners quote 
at the time, my thinking was he has all of this money. He lives in this beautiful apartment and he is into music representing a more cautious lifestyle, a more giving lifestyle. It made me angry and jealous compared to the way I was living at the time. There was jealousy in there, end quote. And again, I'm just like, all right, like, yeah, dude, fucking dude, get over it. (laughs) Seriously, like how small of a person do you have to be? I mean, Rihanna got fucking carried across the street in her gorgeous little outfit before the Savage Fenty show the other day. Do you see me getting all pissy because I don't look like Rihanna? I don't sing like Rihanna. I don't dress like Rihanna. And nobody is carrying me across the street. And how many unhoused and underprivileged people did he have to step over on his way to the Dakota to shoot John Lennon? Like, there are people who, like... Obviously, everyone's living their own life. He has, I I think he has mental illness. I mean, obviously, yes. you get to that level. And uh, I think he, he was diagnosed, was he not? I, I I say as the person who did the episode who doesn't remember the contents was of the episode. Um, it, was, it was a minute. Uh, but, I mean, there's something going on. But yes. still, like, to not be able to put into your brain, like... I'm jealous of this person. That means I need to kill this person. That that yes. doesn't read healthy to doesn't me. Doesn't fly. Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't fly. Like I mean, I'm jealous of people yeah. in my day to day life. But you want to know something that I've never done? I've never so much as harmed a hair on their heads. Yeah, because someone that I'm, has a wife and children, like fuck yes. you, dude. <laughs> well, and that's the thing too is that he was so busy thinking about himself that he wasn't even thinking about like the repercussions. He was so busy thinking about like how John Lennon was like claiming and proclaiming this life. And I will agree with him in the sense that yes, that can come across as hypocritical. But you know what? You don't. You are not the judge, jury, and executioner in this situation. Exactly. What he is doing is not illegal. It's it's sure it's hypocritical. It's not illegal, and your actions have consequences. Yeah. He didn't just take away one person's life. He took away a father. He took away a husband. He took away a partner in like collaboration in music. Yeah. He took he, away he an cre- inspiration for a lot of people. And he created like a movement like yes like all of the you think of like the domino effect of everything that happened after lennon was killed like all of the music that came out of it like all of the art like there's so many things that happened because of that terrible incident not saying any of it was worth it obviously not but like the ripple effect that that one event had like changed so much of the country it's crazy to think that it like it reverberates out that far but it really did yeah and i wouldn't even just say like i know that you're talking about like the good um of it but i i would even venture to argue that he that chapman himself because that's where i first thought you were going um that he started a movement because then there were all of these people suddenly that were like yeah I'm going to kill yes. a celebrity yeah, yeah. and I'm going to like blame fucking catcher in the rye and rock music and all kinds of shit. Like, n- like, don't forget Lennon was murdered in 1980, December 1980. So I think it was actually, yes. Um, so January, February, March, almost April. Ronald Reagan, there's an attempted, uh, there's an attempt on his life by um, John Hinckley Jr. That was his name. What was John Hinckley Jr. carrying? The same fucking book that Mark David Chapman had on his person when he was 
apprehended for murdering John Lennon. Like, just as much as, like, Lennon's death created a movement, Mark David Chapman's actions also created a movement and not for the better. Yeah, well, it's it's like they always talk about um, after a a school shooting, the mm-hmm. likelihood of another one or a couple happening within two weeks goes up like I don't know the exact number, but it goes up like quite a percentage. And yeah. it's it's partially because of all of the media coverage of it. And mm-hmm. I think that was another catalyst. The coverage of the uh, John Lennon murder um, could have been a catalyst for a lot of kind co- like I, it's not copycat because like John Lennon is dead. So, yeah, it's not going to be but redone. I, but like people searching for a similar type of infamy. Yes. And it's and it's funny that you say infamy um, because a member of the board responded to Chapman's explanation of why he did this, saying, quote, you called it glory and some might call it infamy, end quote. And Chapman replied, quote, infamy brings glory, end quote. For somebody with uh, (laughs) a, I don't know, a hole in their brain. Well, I mean, not even just that, but also for somebody who's trying to get out of prison, like you really just can't shut the fuck up, can you? You are so smug. Yeah. That you that you really just like it's just it's so obvious that he has learned nothing in the past 30 plus years. Oh, I don't even think 40 plus years, 40. I don't think he's even looking to get out. I think he's just applying for parole so he can fucking speak to people. So he can get glory. So yeah. he can get fucking attention. So, yeah, so he can be back in the news. Yes. Um, so after deliberating, they they chose to deny Chapman parole again for the 11th time. Did they really have to deliberate? Um, I, I have a feeling it was just like they looked at each other, nodded, and that was it. I don't think... I, I think by the time Chapman was out of the room, he was being called back in again. Yeah. Um, but one one said... Quote, during the interview, you stated you committed this murder to seek glory. You said infamy brings you glory, end quote. And then it, so then they said um, that ref- denying him parole, quote, it would be incompatible with the welfare of society, end quote, which yeah. I agree with. Uh-huh. And in their official statement, the parole board said, quote, this panel finds your statement disturbing. Your actions represent an evil act. The fact that today, almost 40 years later, you can still speak of what you did as something that you felt was a positive and in your mind gave you glory at the time is disturbing for this panel, end quote. Which, yeah, you hit the nail on the fucking head. Yeah. So Chapman's 12th parole hearing, because we still haven't learned our lesson, apparently, is scheduled for August 2022. So a little under a year from now. It's wild. I'm I know that it's not 2022 yet, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that as part of this update, he will be denied parole for a 12th time. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so now I'm going to give you the floor. Yeah, because um, right after we covered Mark David Chapman, the next week we talked about uh, Slenderman and mm-hmm. the Slenderman stabbing of 2014. Uh, which was done by Anissa Weir and Morgan Geyser. And uh, just recently, um, Anissa 
Hold on, I'm pulling up my articles right now. A Waukesha County Circuit Court judge on Friday, this was published on September 10th, so very recently, within the past couple of weeks, approved a conditional release plan for Anissa Weir. Weir? Weir? Uh, one of the two women remember. committed to a mental hospital for their roles in the 2014 Slenderman stabbing. Um, so the terms of her conditional release require that she live with her father, um, where who initially was supposed to be released when she was 37 also must submit to around the clock GPS monitoring and receive regular psychiatric treatment. Her internet usage will also be monitored by the department of corrections. And she is forbidden from accessing the web from outside her father's house. Uh, okay. I think that's good. She yeah. was, I want to say 12 at the time. She, she was, was very, yeah, she was yeah, like a tween. Yeah, she was 12. She's 19 now. Mm -hmm. um, I posted Still about, young. Yeah, still young. I posted about this when it was first on the table that there were talks of her maybe getting released from the, uh, from the facility. And there was people who were very adamant about, like, I think she deserves um, a chance to be rehabilitated. Uh, because... Yeah. In March, she petitioned for a conditional release on the grounds that she had made great progress with her treatment and was ready to reenter society. Uh, in a letter she wrote to the board, she said, quote, by petitioning the court for conditional release, I am not saying I am done with my treatment. I am saying that I have, I have exhausted all resources available to me at the Winnebago Mental Health Institute. If I am to become a productive member of society, I need to be a part of society, end quote. And mm -hmm. I... I think that's perfect way to put it. Like she's, she's been in the facility for a while. She's been making great strides. The crime, like nothing excuses what her and Morgan did. It was yes. an, a horrible, terrible, just it, it, the, everything surrounding the case is insanity. If you want to listen to mm -hmm. the, the episode on it, if you don't know all of the, the details on it, um, obviously go listen to episode four, but if this happened when she was so young, she needs a chance to be like a person. Like, I don't know how else yeah. to put it. Like if you, if you think that going to prison or going to a facility like this is like the, the goal is to rehabilitate, then give this person a chance yeah and well she, and oh go ahead uh, she like if she has monitoring um of like her location she has to receive treatment and uh her web access is monitored like i think it's not like they're just like letting her go on the street willy-nilly dropping her off on a street corner and being like go figure out your life girl like yeah she's getting help i i mm -hmm. think it's a good thing i i think it's a good thing and i think that it's also in terms of the the general situation, it's not much different than the Parker Hume case that we talked about, mm -hmm. where Anne Perry, well, both both Parker and Hume were released upon their parents' recognizance after a few years. They weren't that much older than mm -hmm. these girls when they committed a very similar act, except it was a parent instead of a friend. Um, and they went on to... Re to be rehabilitated they went on to under like familial supervision to 
make something of themselves and to become like stand stand what's the word that i'm looking for um like citizens good citizens yeah. upstanding citizens that's the word thank you whoever shouted it at me and i mean i i just and i think that the main difference between this case and the the chapman case to bring it back is she also said like I'm not done with my treatment. Yeah. I want to become a productive member of society. I like she understands what she did wrong. She understands that she like it, that that like what she did was wrong. She understands the gravity of the situation and she's not sitting there saying like, "Oh yeah, I did it for Daddy Slenderman" or yeah. like I did it because like she didn't she doesn't have like this girl is how many like 50 years at least younger than Mark David Chapman and she's already like much more rehabilitated and yeah. she has like she feels bad for her crime she understands that what she did was wrong i feel like i'm a broken record here but it's just and it's, like there's there's photos of her from in the court and everything she looks great she looks like she's really like getting herself together like she's yeah. she, she's like really making something of herself um she said that um, she's looking forward to possibly getting a part-time job, going to college, mm -hmm. and, like, just being a member of society. Like, the bare minimum, man. Yeah, I mean, but, and that's the thing, too, is, like, she seems like she has a plan, whereas, I'm gonna be honest, I don't think Mark David Chapman had a plan. I don't think he was like, this is what I'm gonna do. No. I think that... I, I think that he just, like you had said before, that he just wanted to talk about how fucking, what a, what a like, genius and, like, I don't know, fucking champion of the people. I don't, I, I will be the first to tell you, I don't understand this motherfucker. I don't claim to understand him. But he, he, he used them, for, he used this opportunity not to actually seek release to yeah. seek like uh, like he did um, it to like hear forgiveness talk. yeah that's yeah. really what it is it's probably that everybody in prison is so fucking tired of this guy and wanting to shut the fuck up that he's got nobody else to tell the story to at this point until they get a new guard hired mm -hmm. so i i just i mean i think that this is a completely different situation and i i mean i hope the best for her i really do like i mean it sucks and she did a terrible thing but again like also children their brains are not fully developed. They don't understand. I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. Kids are kids are vicious. Yeah. Like there's no matter how you slice it, they say and do things that we as adults go, holy shit, that is fucked up, even if it's not murder. Yeah. And she she had not I I don't think she I think she knew what she was doing. I don't think she understood the repercussions of what she was doing. I don't think she understood how just how grave of a of an act that she was committing. Yeah. Well, um, state prosecutors argued that Weir is still dangerous to others, adding, quote, her mind is still immature and susceptible to dangerous influences, end quote, which is true. She's 19 years old. Um, I think they said your brain like is mostly formed by the time you're 25 or whatever i don't know what the science is on that don't quote me on that it was something like that but i think like she didn't have a history of violence before um the stabbing and since she's been in the facility um she has not exhibited any dangerous behavior and has uh 
and has not been administered any psychotic medication since she's been there. Not saying yeah, that anyone, yeah, not saying that anyone who has taken medication shouldn't be in society. Obviously, that's completely false. I, I, I'd be out <laughs> of society then. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't know. I think she, I think this is a good thing. I think she deserves to um, re-enter society under supervision, continue her treatment, and um, be rehabilitated because that is the whole mm-hmm. point. Meanwhile. Yes. Um, Morgan Geyser is serving her 40-year sentence, which is the maximum at a mental health facility. She worked out a plea agreement with prosecutors in which she avoided trial and pleaded guilty to attempted first-degree intentional homicide, but that her mental illness was the cause. I believe um, in the documentary Beware the Slender Man, I think it was, the HBO doc. We talked about it in the the actual episode, but I believe Mm -hmm. in that doc they interviewed... Uh, Morgan's father who was diagnosed with schizophrenia and I don't know if Morgan was also diagnosed I haven't watched the doc in a while but um, she she needs a little bit more looking after she needs a little bit more help and yes. um, rehabilitation and um, and that's d- okay that's fine that's totally fine yes. Um, but I'm glad that Anissa is getting this chance and hopefully we won't yes. hear about her in the news anymore Hopefully that's it. And she just becomes uh, whatever she wants to be, like a vet and just lives her life. Vets are good. We love a vet. Whatever she wants to do. Maybe she becomes a famous writer and people don't understand that she's got a new name now and they find out in like 50 some odd years, wait, that's who she is? Yeah. Like, I mean, who knows? Who fucking knows? I mean, okay. All right. Sure. Uh, my next one is the Phantom Killer of Texarkana. We talked about in episode six. This isn't really an update, but season there was a season two episode of Riverdale called The Town That Dreaded Sundown, which is a reference to the movie about the case. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay. I mean, <laughs> all right. That's about as much of a, what's the word? What the um, fuck ever. It's an update. I, well, not even that. I just, that's about as much like voice time or whatever we want to call this that we can give Riverdale anyway. Yeah. Um, that's, that's enough. That's enough. That's plenty. Um, I think I am next. You are. And we've got more pop culture updates specifically, specifically, um, so for the Countess Elizabeth Battery, who, as we all may remember is allegedly, um, one of the most prolific female serial killers. Mm hmm. Um, huge fucking body count, though I was reading something in this research that there's, there have been, um, I didn't include this, and I should have probably, there have been recent questions as to whether or not actually it was seen, like, this was all made up, basically, and that it was like the equivalent of a witch hunt by the church because of a woman being in power, and they just wanted to fucking get rid of her. Interesting. And, I mean... I, based on the history of, you know, the treatment of women by society, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far as to say that's impossible. Yep. But no, the whole, the whole reason we're here for this one is a few more pop culture references have, um, forgive me, popped up since Mm. our episode on the Blood Countess, including... Season two, episode two of the Amazon series Lore, which features Battery's story. Um, also, Elisabetta, 
which is a 2019 opera in two acts by Gabriel Prokokiev, um, with the libretto by David Pountney, premiered in Regensburg, Germany, since we've discussed this uh-huh. case. And also, probably the most well-known, because it's all over everywhere, TikTok, Smosh has done a bit on it, like, everybody talks about this lady. The Capcom game Resident Evil Village has this giant vampire lady character that everybody's simping over called Lady Dimitrescu, I think is how you say it, Dimitrescu. Um, Dimitrescu, again, I don't fucking know. I don't play the game. All I know is that literally everybody wants to be pegged by this nine foot tall vampire woman. All right. Um, So according to the game's art director, Tomonori Takano, um, her look was heavily influenced by this Japanese internet legend, urban legend, called the Hachi... I, 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 in anticipation of worrying that I would mispronounce this, I already, like, word vomited. It's fine. On um, brand for us. Very on brand. <laughs> um, the Hachishakusama, um, it, it, it's basically this eight-foot-tall evil spirit, so it's got, like, a, a foot... Yeah. Or she's got a foot on this, this spirit. Um, but it also wears a wide-brimmed hat, and it lures its young male victims by imitating their loved ones' voices. Spooky. Yeah, it gives me that gives me kind of Shang-Chi vibes for those who have seen Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. But um so Takano told Den of Geek that Battery served a Den of Geeks, I think I think I had a typo there. Um Battery served as the foundational inspiration, like her backstory for Lady Dimitriscu's storyline. Mm-hmm. But the character also was inspired by other ideas floating around the studio. So they like, it started out, they were like, all right, we're going to make her like this lady. Yeah. But then we're going to like, but then like other underlying factors, people were like, well, what if we added in this? And what if we added in that? And you know, it would be cool. Elizabeth Battery probably wouldn't peg me, but I bet this lady would. And so we just kind of have devolved into this woman, this, this vampire queen. Fun. And yeah. So that's, that's where we're at with Elizabeth Battery. Fun time. I know. Um, in episode 12, we talked about the backpacker murders. And as of October 27th, 2019, Ivan Malat, the man who killed backpackers in um, Australia, he died of esophageal cancer at the age of 74. Prior to his death, Malat wrote a letter to his family requesting that his funeral be paid for by the New South Wales government. What bold request? The request the was fuck? yeah. The request was denied by the New South Wales Corrections Minister Anthony Roberts. Instead, Malat's body was cremated with the full reimbursement of costs to be paid from his prison account. Why? So he paid why would for he his even own. Think? Yeah. Yes, but why would he even think? Because that a that was something. This fucking guy. This fucking guy, rest in goddamn non-peace. Like, what the, uh, let's, all right. That's all okay. I want to, yeah, that's all I want to talk about that. <laughs> Episode 15, we talked about the Jersey Devil. And since mm-hmm. then, Six Flags Great Adventure in Jackson, New Jersey, debuted the Jersey Devil Coaster on June oh. 13th, 2021. So this summer. Oh, yeah, recently. It was delayed for COVID. There's like a whole thing about mm-hmm. it. But um, the mm-hmm. website says it's the world's tallest, fastest, and longest single rail coaster. Six Flags loves doing that. They Always doing the tallest, fastest, whatever it is, coaster. It's, and it's only 
only Six Flags that does this shit. It's only Great Adventure. <laughs> There's multiple Six Flags. Great Adventure is the New Jersey one. Um, but this roller coaster, it's over three. It has over three thousand feet of track that is covered in two minutes and five seconds, and it reaches mm. a top speed of fifty-eight miles per hour. It yeah, goes up go a hundred and thirty-foot-tall lift hill. The train oh. goes down an eighty-seven degree drop, which leads into a dive loop and then uh, an airtime hill of a hundred and eighty degree stall. Then it goes up into a turnaround, drops down to a zero G roll. After a mid-course break run, the trail, uh, the train travels over a few airtime hills before fully breaking at the end and turning around to go back to the station. So it is that's a ride. It's a lot to handle, and they made like the whole section of where I forget what it took over because I mean, obviously, I've been to yeah. Great Adventure like a million times, but I forgot what what they replaced, like what it is replacing. But they made the whole area like look like like the pine barrens and everything Ooh. and they have like a jersey devil's like statue in front of it it looks really cool i want to go for fright fest but i don't know if that's happening this year i was actually about to suggest that you and i go what are you doing the sunday after your wedding uh getting ready to go on my honeymoon all right what if instead <laughs> you we, went to great adventure? <laughs> we went to great adventure and we rode the Jersey Devil coaster with you in your wedding dress and veil, and I bet you could get us in for free. Probably, just I'd based probably off be that. Also, one of those people that die on a roller coaster because something gets stuck. Because your because your veil gets fucking stuck in. The, <laughs> Jokes on that, I'm not engine. wearing a veil. We'll get you a veil just for that, or we'll get you like one of those little like headband veils. Okay, it's fine. like two inches tall. <laughs> but I think we could do this. I think we could do this for sure. Yeah. My next one, the same. There's <laughs> Haley an, doesn't think so. <laughs> there's another like Jersey Devil update. Somebody saw the Jersey Devil recently. Oh. Um, this was, it's an article by Fox News. Um, uh. It was Yeah, I know. It was published in January. Um, a guy saw the Jersey Devil. I'm just skimming through this. Um, He was quoted as saying, quote, there was a hand coming through the window and that hand was big. It had sharp nails, end quote. I mean, there's a lot of women in South Jersey. I, I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, it's the fucking Long Island medium. Like, yeah. are we kidding? It's one uh, of the real housewives. Uh, yeah, his immediate reaction was to roll up the window. I guess this was his car window. He said, quote, I caught the arm in the window and blood spurted out on my face. On what? Her, on, he was with somebody in the car on her face and on me. I tried to start the car. She's screaming. I got the car started and I tried to pull in what I thought was reverse, but it was actually going forward at the same moment. We've and he there. leapt out in front of my father's car, picked up his right arm and shattered the windshield. I'm sorry. You had me in the beginning. Had you not added all of these extra details, I could have been like, okay, maybe. But this just sounds think, like when a five-year-old tells you a story and feels they need to, like, yes and themselves. I mean, I'm all for, like, cryptid sightings, but I think this guy uh, got spooked in a Wawa parking lot and yes. hit a deer. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And I just, I'm sorry. That is, uh, where's the blood? I want a sample. I want I a know. sample of the blood. I don't fucking it, know, man. It's splattered on both of, or spattered, my bad, on, on both of them, allegedly. So, like, there should be a sample. If It's got to be in the car somewhere. Again, I just skimmed the article. It's from Fox News. Go ahead and look it up. Yeah. Recent, well, that's the other thing. Recent Jersey Devil sighting, but that's that. 
Mm-hmm. I love a good Jersey Devil sighting. Yeah. When it's real. Yeah. <laughs> You're next, my friend. Uh, yes, I am next. And I am your friend. Um, so glad you finally acknowledge it. Um, so next we have The Highway of Tears, which was episode 21 for us. And TLDR, cellular coverage is coming for The Highway of Tears. That's awesome. Yeah, so in April of this year, it was announced that um, federal and provincial funding had been allocated for Highway 16, a.k.a. the Highway of Tears, um, which runs from Prince Rupert to Prince George in, I believe, British Columbia, Canada. It will have mobile phone service all along the entire route by fall 2022. And as part of the infrastructure project, 12 cell phone towers will be installed along the highway, which will provide about 252 kilometers or about 156.6 miles of coverage. Damn. And yeah, I know. And in addition to providing more job opportunities, because there was a lot of issues with that as well. Like, it's not just a case of communicating for safety, but it's communicating in general. Yeah. Um, this service will also, the cell service will also provide indigenous peoples, particularly girls, women, those who are two spirit, with a greater feeling of safety and an easier ability to communicate in the event of a dangerous situation. And it also, with knowing that, will also, I think, act as a deterrent that people know now, oh, well, before nobody could hear you scream, but now you can just like send a quick FaceTime or whatever and people will know. Yeah. And so that's I'm, I'm happy about it. Um, the executive director of the Prince George Native Friendship Center, Barb Ward Burkett, said, quote, we must continue to do everything in our power to prevent violence against indigenous women and girls to ensure they are safe to travel anywhere in our province, but especially between communities along Highway 16. I recommend the province. I, I commend the province, the federal government and Rogers, which is the, the gentleman spearheading this project. Mm -hmm for expanding cell service along the isolated and essential corridor between Smithers and Prince Rupert. It serves as an important step in reconciliation and in honoring murdered and missing sisters, daughters, mothers, aunties, and their families. And it did and for for the, for a quick background, indigenous groups have been advocating for better cell coverage in this area since 2006. Damn. And yeah, and although um the National or the Native Women's Association of Canada President Lorraine Whitman applauded this plan that it's finally being rolled out. She also reminded the public in her statement that this is only one step towards improving safety in the area for Native people, stating, quote, this truly is a blessing for the women, but not all women have a phone. These towers are being put up, but it makes no use to the person that has no cell phone, end quote. And that's true. It's 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 very true. Canada, I believe, has the second highest um, like cell phone plan prices in the world wow and yeah i was gonna say in in the u.s like we're we're sitting here talking or at least i i know i am like bitching about how expensive our phone plans are but and it is very um what's the word that i'm looking for like you shouldn't just assume that somebody has a cell phone yeah. i mean that's and privilege so, yeah that's privilege and so i mean i totally understand it i think there does still need to be more done i think this doesn't excuse the fact that all of these native children are being found dead in schoolhouses from like decades ago yeah. like under buried under schoolhouse all of that i mean i think that the lack of even i i know we're still going to touch on it but how everybody focused on white blue-eyed blonde gabby petito mm -hmm. but they don't focus on 
the missing Asian women, indigenous people, um, p- black people, not just Asian women, but Asian people. Like yeah. there's so many people out there who are also missing who are not white and who are not like, like I've seen people on Twitter referring to Gabby Petito as America's daughter. Mm. And that's I, I, I I'm and that's not to take away from her in her case because she deserves justice. She it, like it, what happened to her was awful. The, yeah. the fact that she was so young and she was treated so horribly and then she died so horribly is terrible. Yeah. And but there are also other people who deserve that same attention. She deserved that attention. And so do other people. Yeah. Um, who are not white. Um, so, yeah, I just I'm it, it's been a long time coming. This is a step in the right direction, but there's still more that needs to be done and hopefully Canada prioritizes that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, damn. <laughs> uh, I'll say now because I'm going to be skipping one because I, I have updates on a, a bunch of different ones. Uh, but since we are running a little low on time, we will continue this conversation over on the Patreon. So um, if you're part of our Patreon, you can, uh, get some more updates on some recent stuff. So uh, for Caitlin's knowledge, I'm skipping my next one. (laughs) Thank you. That means it's me again. (laughs) We have a combined Google Doc that we're going on our notes from. Yeah. So up next then we have 9-11. Yeah. Um, In case you didn't know. Well, first of all, that was episode 24. Yeah. Um, but in case you didn't know, the 20th anniversary of 9-11 was this year. It happened September so 11, 2001. It, it's, it, it boggles the mind. Um, and so the U.S. obviously commemorated it in multiple ways um, all across the country. Other, other um, countries commemorated it. I don't know if you saw there were, uh, I believe, firefighters in Australia that did a haka, mm-hmm. but like for the fallen uh, first responders yeah. on 9-11, the American first responders. Um, so just the the outpouring of just love and support by not just the American people, but also people from around the world is just, it's truly, it's, it's very, it's very kind. Um, on one positive note, two more victims of the attack were identified a couple of weeks before the official anniversary, Whoa. thanks to advancements in DNA technology. Um, one of those people there, it was a man and a woman. The man's name was not released. Uh, the woman's name was, and she is Donna Morgan of Hempstead, New York. Mm -hmm. And according to NPR, this was the first time in two years that a 9-11 victim's remains have been identified. And there are still over 1,100 victims, at least 40% of whom died on 9-11 that have yet to be identified. Mm. And I believe that is actually one of the things that the um, World Trade Center Museum, One World Trade, that that they do mm-hmm. as part of their thing is that they perform DNA testing to try to identify, like, and, and not just DNA testing, but they work to identify the remaining DNA samples. Like, I want to say there were several collections for the for the for the man who was identified mm-hmm. um there were several like pieces of DNA that were collected at different times that helped like act as basically puzzle pieces to figure out who he was yep so it wasn't just like they found they found his remains at just one time it was over the course of years that they found like tiny fragments yeah 
and those fragments led to his identification. I mean, it's just that's crazy that that's so crazy that we can like do that stuff now. Yeah, it's just it's and and honestly, that's got to be so that's got to be such a relief for the families. Obviously, I mean, it's one of the worst case scenarios, but at least you you have that closure. Yeah, I mean, um, you can you can guess what happened, especially for people who lived and worked down there at the time. Yeah. But to get like confirmation and to have I'm assuming their names are going to be read if you're not from uh, the U.S. or not from mm-hmm. uh, the area, at least in the North Jersey, New York area, because we are like five minutes away. Um, they on the news, they read out all of the names starting at the time that the uh, first plane hit and they yes. read all of the names of all of the mm-hmm. um, of all the victims. And I assume that these people now that they're named, they're going to have their their names read, which I think is like to be added to uh, to be added to the list finally of like. Like we acknowledge you, we remember mm-hmm. you and um you're always going to be listed as somebody that is in our hearts and who we think about on this day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think that that also goes for the monuments or like I know in California, like there's a couple um, commemorations or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. um, that they, they because these planes were some of them were supposed to go to like California. Yeah. Um it's just I, I think that that's a really great thing for just like you said, like just commemorating their monuments, commemorating like plaques, museums, just all kinds of stuff. And just that they won't be forgotten that like they didn't. I mean, it, what happened to them was absolutely terrible, but that they're not going to be forgotten. Yeah. The terrible thing that happened to them, that these victims get their justice and that we still speak their names. Exactly. Um and so then on a, a less a less bright note, uh, again, this happened, this attack happened 20 years ago. Um, the five men who survived, um, because some of them obviously did, perished with the attacks, um, but the five men accused of being responsible for them are still awaiting trial at Guantanamo Bay, despite that it happened 20 years ago. Wow. And yeah, and so that has been pointed out by a few outlets because people are understandably frustrated. Um, and yeah, so it's it's technically, it, I guess you would say that it's technically an ongoing case. Yeah, and why does um, Mark David Chapman get a parole hearing every fucking every 30 fucking minutes? Year. Yeah, I know. I know. I don't know. I do not know. Um, I didn't I didn't dig too much into it because quite honestly, I did not want to give them the platform. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they're still rotting in prison. Um, but as for pop culture, so I believe we mentioned the Broadway musical uh, Come From Away during yeah. our coverage. Um, for those who don't know, for those who haven't listened, it's basically based on a true story of a small Canadian town that took in travelers um, after their flight was grounded due to the attacks. Like I, all flights were grounded. My dad was on a plane and the flight was grounded. Yeah. Um, and so the show reopened this month, just a couple of days ago, actually. But a Broadway performance from earlier this year that was specifically for 9-11 survivors and frontline workers 
um, they they held this performance and mm-hmm. they filmed it and it was released on Apple TV Plus on September 10th. Mm. Um, which yeah, I didn't learn. I didn't know this. I have Apple TV Plus. Let me know when you want my login. Um, not you, Haley. Um, <laughs> and so and so um, I'm gonna get all these DMs. Hey, what's your login? Um, but yeah, I I can't wait to watch it. Like I'm literally watching it when we're done because yeah. I I knew that if I watched it before, that would not be a good idea. <laughs> yeah, that's the end of the night. <laughs> yes that's that's a like i i've got one cat on one side one cat on the other and a box of tissues in between um but it has an 8.9 out of 10 on imdb a 94 percent google score a 90 percent tomato meter rating and a 100 percent audience score on wow. rotten tomatoes yes with the critics consensus quote come from away sifts through wreck- the wreckage of tragedy to find hope and the healing power of human connection end quote which I just, I think that's great. I think it's great that it's out there. I don't know whether it's going to go the route of Hamilton and completely rob Bo Burnham, but who knows? Um, But I just, I think that it's great that we're also like doing more filmed productions of theaters and making that accessible. And I I I know that this is a show. I was literally just going to say that, that it's so important to like have, like especially a story like this, but to have all of these stories filmed as they as they were performed because i mean Mm -hmm. at the time of recording this dear evan hansen has come out and i have not seen it yet and it's been mixed i've heard yeah i've heard less than good things i know i know which makes me so sad but the stage show is incredible do not let the movie ruin it for you you have to see the stage show it is so good you will be moved you need to see it um more shows need to be filmed as they were i think is what it is Haley. yes (laughs) i'm sorry um the yeah more shows need to be filmed as they were intended to be performed (laughs) instead of like made into like a weird cinematic glossy thing which is great for some movies it doesn't Uh usually translate with musicals no there's an overwhelming no (laughs) yeah though i i will say for like come from away also though like and i guess dear evan hansen a bit too I, I personally, I am one of those people that like, I can't like, I know that it's going to be emotional mm-hmm. and I am not so sure that I am willing to get that emotional, like with people not coming down my face, not just with people in front of people. Like, I, oh, I don't know please. that I can be like heaving and like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I can do that in front of you. I can't do that in front of some rando in the seat next to me. Like I just, I, it's, I, it's more freeing it's one of those than you can think because I oh, mean, this, I'm going off on this tangent. We're done in a second, but I've seen Dear Evan Hansen twice and I've seen Wicked three times and every single one of those shows I have wept and uh, it just, it feels good, <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's a, it's a good time. Go see a show in the theater. Broadway's back open. Hell yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, do it. Anyway, my next one, we covered in episodes 37 and 39, and it mm-hmm. is Jeffrey Dahmer. And okay. I don't remember if we talked about this at all during the actual episode. I checked back on my notes and I didn't see anything, but like stuff has like rumbled recently. So yes, on June 19th, 2020, a tweet from 2017 congratulating Milwaukee police officer John Balzerak for his retirement reemerged. In May 1991, Balzarak was involved in a deadly mistake surrounding the Dahmer case. 
he left 14-year-old Conorak sent the phone phone with the serial killer, assuming he was in no danger. I mean... Yeah, he's outraged <laughs> right now. <laughs> after the police left, Dahmer killed Synthesome Foam. Uh, Balzarak was fired after the incident, and although uh, he was reinstated in May of 1994, um, I mean, the article I'm reading from says the blunder tarnished his name and career. Uh, but clearly not. Yeah. Associated and- Press reported at the time that he and Officer Joseph Gabrish left a naked, intoxicated Laotian boy with Dahmer after investigating a report of a molested child. Two women, Sandra Smith and Nicole Childress, uh, called the Milwaukee police after they saw the victim wandering around naked and bleeding. So is that the kind of person you fucking return to somebody? Whatever. Yeah. According to the police recordings, the officers assumed that the relationship between Dahmer and the teenager was nothing more than a, quote, boyfriend-boyfriend thing, end quote. Uh, yeah, it gets worse. They also dismissed the incident as Dahmer convinced the officers that Synthesome Phone was actually an adult gay lover who simply had too much to drink and wandered into the street naked. You Ma- mean to tell me? Yeah. I'm sorry, but that that's infuriating just also, that you, you believe, you take at face value that this... Uh, I'm sorry, have you ever seen a 14-year-old boy? Does he look like a goddamn adult to you? Have you ever seen a picture of Conorak? He is not an adult man he is a boy oh my he is god 14 oh year old yeah child. he is yes. yes 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 fuck yeah well amid all the protests against police departments people on twitter are revisiting the case almost 30 years later and demanding for police reforms good police reform surprise hey, surprise um but yeah so he was reinstated in 1994 and then was able to retire peacefully and i was actually given commendations so and that's There's the that. thing that really gets me too is like, okay, yeah, it tarnished his name and career. This motherfucker still got a pension and yeah. he is set for life. It doesn't matter if he didn't get to go up as high as he wanted to, maybe. He is set for life and Synthesome Phone has no life. Yeah. He is dead because of this guy. It, it's again, and I, I hate that I keep going back to it like on, on like a tangent, but it's just like with the Gabby Petito case, mm. how they assumed. She was the abuser. They, she did not call the police. Brian Laundrie did not call the police. Yep. People called the police saying they saw him, like, assault her. Yeah. And they still treated her like she was... They, they took what the man was saying at face value and just left the victim, who is clearly in distress... Yeah, you gotta look into this more. Like, like the, literally, care. quite literally, the least you could have done was walk them back to Dahmer's apartment and go in for a sec. Just fucking poke your head in. Do something. Uh, but I didn't include this uh, from the article that I read because it's disgusting. But um, yeah, after, I think we talked about it in the episode, after they left Conorak with Dahmer, they went back to their car and they were making basically gay jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we did discuss this. That, that rings a bell. Or it's just that's so fucking common and, that I'm not surprised. he tried... a. B- Balzerac, I, I don't even know how to say this fucker's name. Balzerac, I think it was. I think because I I vaguely remember people tr- making fun that it's he like tried <laughs> to uh, talk that down by saying, "Oh, that's just the jocular way that like everyone talks." Like, no, fucking change. Oh, you mean that fucking shit. locker room talk? That's Where have bullshit. we heard that before? That's disgusting and it's horrible. And fuck you, you killed There's a no child. Excuse. Yeah. Yeah, you are responsible for the death. I mean, and that's something that I keep seeing, too, with that Gabby Petito thing is, oh, they probably feel bad enough. Good. You should. 
If you don't, it wasn't you. It wasn't a clerical mistake that like no. Like I mean, or I lost work, evidence or yeah, something. I work no, I work in like uh, construction and stuff, so it's not a clerical mistake of like, oh, you missed your inspection, you'll have to get it tomorrow. No, somebody's dead. You yeah. need to be responsible for this. Yes, you, you dropped could, the ball. You could have prevented this. This is your whole thing. Yes, your whole and job I wasn't even yeah, to and, protect and serve, and you yeah, missed the protect job. and the serve. Yeah. He didn't serve. He didn't serve synthesome foam. No, he served the white man. Yeah. And I I, I know. It's fine. It's fucking it's <laughs> we not already it's not it. fine, but like yeah, we need to move on. <laughs> I have a more lighthearted one. My blood pressure is I mean, through the roof. The case God. the case is not lighthearted. It's about uh, Great. the okay. kidnapping of Elizabeth Smart. We talked about it in episode 45, but this is lighthearted. It was revealed that Smart was the moth on the mass dancer season 1. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I forgot about that. <laughs> it seems weird, but um, she did give an explanation. Her. She said, quote, my grandmother actually passed away very recently, uh, but she was so mm. much fun. She never let a moment pass her by. And so when the opportunity came along, I thought I live a pretty serious life and I'm going to take this opportunity to just have fun. End quote. Oh, that's awesome. That's so cute. I, I, the fact I, that she I, got I, the call in the first place is a little like, huh? I mean, it's it's. It's, it's I think it's not just that she got the call because I think it's also like she has people and those people like they inform like just it's like a mass email basically yeah. it's like hey if anybody knows of anybody who would be willing to do this that's how like people come out like they had Mickey Rourke on for like a hot minute and like it's yeah. it's it's all very orchestrated they don't always eliminate based off talent i'm sorry for all of the spoilers that are coming but they don't necessarily eliminate based off talent they also eliminate like for example if somebody can only do two episodes because yeah. they're starting another project yep. after the third episode then they eliminate them because of that or if somebody has an album coming out they orchestrate it with that like yeah. i mean not that he wasn't good but there's a reason why jesse mccartney went so far i believe he won on the masked singer and now he's got music coming he's got he's having like a career yeah, yeah. for lack of a better word renaissance i mean it's just but she but she said I that like her. everyone sees her as being so serious and like not having fun she's like i just want to have fun and i'm like good for her good yeah for her. Um, yeah also and she did well she went she she did pretty well i think she did relatively well yeah yeah i, saw I loved it I loved it. I again, I'm one of like the proud the few, but <laughs> yes. Uh, she also has a podcast called Smart Talks, uh -huh. and the description says, "quote Every 73 seconds, someone in the United States is sexually assaulted. Every nine minutes, that person is a child. Each Tuesday, so you can listen after you listen to our podcast. Join mm -hmm. kidnapped survivor Elizabeth Smart as she speaks with therapists, survivors, and experts as they share stories of empowerment, recovery, and hope." If you or someone you know has ever experienced the horrors of sexual assault, then this podcast is for you. End quote. Yes. And to to piggyback onto that, actually, I know we've kind of touched on it in the past, but a friend of mine, Elizabeth Peace, she is the um she she's she is a public speaker and a lobbyist for um or against, I should say, child sexual abuse and protecting children who are susceptible to child sexual abuse, particularly military children, because they're they've got a parent or both parents who are away and therefore like they're not more at risk, but it's just like they're kind of forgotten about yeah. as being at risk. 
Um, and Elizabeth was actually just on this podcast last month in August, um, for those who are interested in listening. And she talks about she she talks about her experience as a survivor and as the mother of a survivor and also all of the work that she does with her foundation, Operation Innocence. Mm -hmm. um, and so for those who want to learn more about that and for her story, I just wanted to plug it because I think that what both of these women, the work that both of these women are doing is really great. All right. Yeah. All right. You want to know what's not really great? What's not? Goddamn motherfucking Casey Anthony. And that's who we're talking about next. Fucking Casey Anthony. Are you going to talk <laughs> about Hustler? God damn it. Hustler? She was asked to like pose in Hustler. Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't. I don't really, remember like, when this was. Yeah, I don't remember, I don't if we remember when that was. I remember that now. No, yeah. we're talking more about like we're, we're keeping it more general. And for those who don't remember, these were episodes 96 through 97. Um, for those who don't know, like Bean, um, this was before Bean's time. Um, 2021 Screaming. marks the 10th anniversary of Anthony's acquittal in the trial for her daughter Kaylee's murder. Well, damn. Yeah. Um, in May 2021. Anthony called the police in West Palm Beach, Florida, after getting into a heated argument at O'Shea's Irish pub with another woman, quote, about an ex-boyfriend they were dating at the same time, end quote, according to the police report. Basically, during this altercation, the woman poured water onto Anthony's either like her laps or her leg or her lap or her legs. Like okay. the the source differs. Um, and her we know crash. how people love to dramatize things. Yeah. Either way, it, it was it was it, she probably looked like she peed and it allegedly turned into a bar fight. Some outlets even called it a brawl. Um, the issues with this woman, Anthony told the police had been going on for, quote, years and she said she wanted it documented, but then the police were like, you should file a restraining order, and Anthony refused. Um, which, right. And this is just speculation on my end, but my first thought was, of course, like, oh, yeah, she doesn't want to file a restraining order because she's a narcissist who loves attention, and by removing the source of this issue, she would be losing the attention. Yeah, probably. However, it also occurred to me that, and Haley, like, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, aren't restraining orders public record unless they've been sealed? I, again, work in construction, so I don't deal with that. <laughs> I can tell you I can't give somebody uh, your house plans, if that makes you feel okay. safe. Okay. But <laughs> it doesn't, but that's fine. I don't have a house. I'm I'm fine. Um, but I think that's the case. And if that is the case, another reason could be that Anthony has, in the past several years especially, really been trying to keep a low profile and have a fresh start. <laughs> and I know, I know. I wish Kaylee could. Kaylee would have been, I believe, 16 this year. Yeah, except um, you're Casey Anthony. So good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. I'm amazed that she even had a boyfriend. Um, but it's it got to the point. <laughs> oh, that's true. Men suck. That's true. That's Well, men suck. And also Ted Bundy had like so many girlfriends um after prison but not so many but like you know i had more than he should have um but yeah she actually sold her house last year after filing for bankruptcy she has a house she has a house i don't even had. go there with me D well it had but she moved i don't know whether she moved to a rented home or she bought a home but she moved and we'll get into that in a second but she could also just not want people to start showing up there and knowing her new address yeah so according to a july 2021 article by the sun which means take this with a grain of salt in december 2020 anthony allegedly filed paperwork to open a private investigation company which she called case and Re case research and consulting services llc in south florida 
I think I remember and in this. the documents filed, she listed herself as a registered agent of the company, which is registered to the West Palm Beach home of Patrick McKenna, who you might remember was the lead investigator for Anthony's defense team. Yeah. However, as a convicted felon, Anthony is not allowed to obtain a Florida private investigator's license. So we'll see about all this. Fun. But yeah. And then Nancy Grace recently dug back into the case on an episode of her podcast, Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. And in the episode, which aired this past August, Grace, quote, uncovers new evidence from friends, relatives, and key players from inside the investigation that may have changed the outcome of the trial, end quote, and, quote, goes to the crime scene, the courthouse, and the Anthony family home in a little girl's homicide that shocked the nation, end quote. I don't know what to think about Nancy Grace. She's a lot to handle. She's a lot. She's just a lot. But anyway... Also in August, In Touch magazine, so also take this with a grain of salt, published a story saying that Anthony's neighbors are not happy she lives near them (laughs) um, to the point that they're canceling their memberships after seeing her at the gym. They asked for anonymity out of fear she'll, quote, come after and quote them. Um, Now, she wasn't a serial killer. No, but she also she I can see them being like she would kill her kid. What would stop her from killing somebody she does not know who's talking shit to a magazine? I I guess. But I think the reason she killed her daughter was that she wanted to be a teenager and didn't want baggage. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, what more baggage? I mean, shitty neighbors are baggage. Let me tell you, as somebody who has great neighbors, sh- neighbors <laughs> great neighbors on I'm but I'm I'm prefacing great neighbors on one side and shitty neighbors on the other I mean they're baggage let me fucking tell you I had uh, this is a tangent but I uh, uh it really quick they had like a rager of a party I had to be up early the next morning I went down and one of their fucking guests tried to fight me on the sidewalk like a couple weeks ago and I was like great. dude all I need to do is sidestep you once and you're so drunk off your ass that you will take yourself out for me. Um, But anyway, so an anonymous source told in touch that Anthony has been quote, gambling at underground poker games and partying nonstop end quote, which sounds on brand. Yeah. And another claimed quote, Casey goes to these poker parties after dark. She meets up with six or eight of her friends and they all sit around a table covered in a green cloth with cards in their hands and drinking beer, end quote. And I don't know whether or not this is true. It sounds like this person kind of just looked at that famous um, thing of dogs playing playing poker. Yeah, dogs playing poker and just was like, uh, and did whatever that that poster says. Yeah, I was um, like, yeah, dude, that's that's what people do. That's playing poker. That's how you do it. (laughs) All right. But um, so the second source also went on to call Anthony a, quote, real risk taker and thrill seeker, end quote. Well, clearly a risk taker if you can so blatantly Google, like, incriminating shit after allegedly killing your kid. Yeah. Um, and not wiping your fucking search history. Um, but they said, quote, poker makes her feel alive and that's why she likes to gamble. I have no idea where she gets the money from because far as far as I know, she doesn't have a proper job, end quote. You know who else would like to feel alive? Kaylee, Her child. Probably. Yeah, probably. I would go. I would go so far as to say that. And now, because I keep talking about it, we finally get to the point um, with the terrible events unfolding surrounding YouTuber Gabby Petito's murder. Uh, there's also been talk of Anthony's former lawyer Jose Baez representing the Laundry family. And so, for those unfamiliar with this case, um, 
Long story short, Petito's fiance, Brian Laundrie, has been named a person of interest in the homicide investigation after he returned early to his parents' home in Florida without Petito, despite the fact that the two were on a road trip together and his parents have been continuing to cover for their son. And he didn't he didn't report her missing for several days. Her family ended up having to. And obviously she was found um, deceased last week and her it was confirmed that it was a homicide um yeah and for anyone and asking, he, we're not covering the case because uh it's still unfolding and yes. uh these are real people who are going the, through something very real yes. and traumatic so we we know one of the family members yes yeah um but it it's it it's just it's really fucked up and laundry has since run away and his parents are still covering for him and it's a whole thing and the police once again dropped the fucking ball because why weren't they watching him but anyway um it's been rumored basically the laundry parents were up in the general like within like a couple of blocks of Baez's office they went on a road trip it was like two hours away or something from uh-huh. where they live and so people were like there there were whispers that Baez was talking to them to represent them because it wouldn't be a surprise he represented Harvey Weinstein he represented Casey Anthony he's he's a scumbag like that represents scumbag like attracts like but Baez has denied having any contact with the laundries saying quote therefore I do not represent him or anyone else related to the case end quote and told TMZ his current caseload makes it very unlikely he'll be available for this case quote given its current complexities end quote yeah that's what I would call it. Fucking complexities. Sure, dude. That's that's come on. Like, uh so yeah. anyway. That's that's what's going on in a nutshell. And also apparently Casey Anthony was asked to pose for Hustler. Yeah. Maybe that's what they meant that by was not a having a proper ago, job. Though. That she just had one modeling gig with Hustler. I don't think she and ever did it. And that's where she's getting the money. I don't think she ever did I mean maybe she did it and they never posted it because they knew better. They were like, Oh, maybe we shouldn't do this because it's fucking disrespectful. I don't know. I think they're more worried about getting money. That's true. Well, I mean, eh, that's Larry Flint for you. But anyway, Uh, my next one is uh, we talked about Dark Tourist in episode 111. And unfortunately, David Ferrier has said on his Instagram at the beginning of this year that there is no plan for a season two currently. If you're a paid subscriber to his blog, Webworm with David Ferrier, you can see what his hypothetical outline for another season would look like. Mm. I am not currently a paid member of his blog, so I have no access to that. But he did post it. So check it out. And if you do, let us know. Let me know. Also, um, uh, in case you need a little bit of a similar fix, obviously his documentary Tickled is very good. I believe it's on Pluto or one of those like free streaming things. Like Tubi or something. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Um, and also he does Armchair and Dangerous on Dak Shepard's um, Armchair mm-hmm. Expert podcast mm-hmm. uh, where he talks about like true crimey, like conspiracy cryptid type things. So go ahead and listen to that. And last but not least for me, as of right now for this episode, the Fire Festival we talked about <laughs> in episode 138. So in April 2020, during the pandemic, in case you forgot, McFarland requested compassionate release from Federal Correction Institute in Elkton, uh, Elkton in Lisbon, Ohio, to avoid contracting the virus with the reasoning that he was uh, asthmatic and he was especially vulnerable to the virus. 
His request was denied the same month. And in July of 2020, it was reported that he had tested positive for COVID-19. Um, in October 2020, uh, you may have heard this, but McFarland talked about his experiences of, as a fraudster in a podcast hosted by Jordan Harbinger called Dumpster Fire. <laughs> yeah. According to his lawyer, McFarland was punished for participating in the podcast. The lawyer <laughs> said McFarland received what are called... Uh, quote, administrative charges, end quote, that allow prison administrators to punish incarcerated people over the various actions that he took to do the interview. So it wasn't so much that he did the interview. It's like things that he needed to do to actually do the interview is okay. what they charged him with. Um, the lawyer said, quote, it was punitive. At first, they said he violated rules by speaking to the media, which there is no such rule. Right. Then they accused him of doing three-way calls, which you're not allowed to do, but these were not three-way calls, end quote. Huh. McFarland received six months in solitary confinement for that and various other charges, which included, like, he, he like, sent, he had photos taken of him in prison with other people and like had them posted to an Instagram. Like he didn't oh. post them, but he sent them to somebody to post them. It was, he just, yeah, I needs, know what you mean. Yeah. He just needs to be seen. Yeah. He needs attention at all times. Like yeah. it, it's, it's another one where it's just like, he's so clearly a narcissist and straight. Dear God, what? I can't wait. Man. Truly, truly. Yeah. Like, ugh. well, um, speaking uh, well, not straight. Oh, well, yes. I, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, I do know where I was going with that. And it's because I'm skipping another. Uh, I'm skipping one for Patreon. And he's not straight. And we'll mm. get into that. But anyway, R. Kelly, episode 165. Boy, howdy, do we have updates. All right. Um, because since this since this episode aired, so R. Kelly has been brought to trial. It actually started on August 18th like of this year okay and the jury actually began its deliberations closing arguments were made this past week and ju the jury began its deliberations this past friday september 24th yeah so for those who don't know um well obviously you wouldn't know but so literally we're recording on us on saturday the 25th so yesterday yeah they began deliberating um they met for four hours before they adjourned for the weekend and to bring everybody up to speed, Kelly has been charged with one count of racketeering with 14 underlying acts that included sexual exploitation of a child, kidnapping, bribery, and sex trafficking charges, as well as eight additional counts of violations of the Mann Act, which is a sex trafficking law. And he has pled not guilty to all charges. And if convicted, he faces 10 years to life in prison. And 50 witnesses were called to testify during this trial, including the man who married R. Kelly and Aaliyah when she was a teenager. Oof. And on the opening day of the trial, 28-year-old Geronda Pace said, said that she was called to the stand and said that Kelly allegedly sexually, physically, and emotionally abused her. I'm going to preface this now. I use alleged a lot here. Only using it here because I have to. I have heard that his team is fucking everywhere. And we're small. We cannot get sued. <laughs> We we have nothing to allegedly. sue us for, but yes, yes. Um, but yeah, so allegedly he sexually, physically, and emotionally abused her from the age of 16. Um, she said that she met Kelly around 2008, and though at first she lied about her age, saying that she was like a an adult, 
Um, she ultimately confessed that she was a minor the following year because she was, quote, uncomfortable, end quote, while he was performing oral sex on her. Hmm. And she told the court that Kelly, quote, told me to tell everyone I was 19 and to act 21, end quote. Ooh. And that he, quote, trained her to satisfy his sexual preferences, end quote. Um, for example, she said that he would film them having sex and he would have her, quote, put her hair up in pigtails and dress like a Girl Scout, end Ugh. quote. Yeah, I know. He's a fucking creep. She also testified that she had to follow, quote, Rob's rules, end quote. For those who don't know, his first name is Robert, um, which included qual- calling him him daddy, which is just fucking uh. gross. Yeah. Not leaving any room without his permission and always acknowledging his entrance. And times during which she failed to follow the rules were met with violence, with Pace explaining that she, after she failed to to greet Kelly to his liking, quote, he slapped me and choked me until I passed out. I remember him just putting his hand around my neck, end quote. Before raping her, she said, quote, he spit in my face and told me to put my head down in shame, end quote. Pace also testified that Kelly confiscated her cell phone saying, quote, he didn't want me in contact with anyone but him. I wasn't supposed to tell anyone I was spending time with him, end quote. So, Jeez. yeah. Uh, Kelly's former tour manager, Demetrius Smith, also took the stand on August 23rd. During his testimony, which he gave under the promise of immunity, um, which is just like fucking, uh, he confirmed that he helped Kelly obtain a fake welfare card and a fake ID claiming Aliyah worked for a courier company so the two could get married. Smith knew that she was underage. Um, he said he helped Kelly because Kelly told him she was pregnant and he was, quote, concerned about the legal ramifications of it. Um, if should it, should it come out that he was the father and that the marriage was to, quote, protect himself end quote, end quote, to protect Aaliyah, end quote, from having to testify against him. And Smith confirmed that Aaliyah was underage, that the marriage license, which said she was 18, was forged, and that she was par- and that he was partially responsible, saying, quote, it shouldn't have happened, it was wrong, end quote. However, on August 30th, another witness told the jury that allegedly in September 1994, which is a, it was a mere two days after R. Kelly married Aaliyah, he raped this witness when she was 17 after inviting her and a friend backstage at a concert and he did this after the witness had told kelly she was underage he knew she was underage um Mm. the witness who went by addy said um that when she told him she was an quote aspiring artist end quote and refused to visit him in his hotel room she says he cleared everyone out of the backstage area so he could quote play a game end Mm. quote with her Mm -hmm. and her friend oh Mm -hmm. it gets worse Mm mm-hmm during which he told them he wanted to, quote, see who could kiss better, Ew. end quote. But the game soon, quote, started getting a little more aggressive, end quote. Um, th- here's a trigger warning. Just skip like 10 seconds or so if you um, have experienced sexual assault or if that you that's triggering to you. Um, Kelly allegedly pinned Addie down by her wrists, removed her pants and raped her without using protection. She testified, quote, at this point, I was in complete shock. I just went blank, end quote. And her friend and she, quote, ran out of there, end quote, after he finished. Mm. The witness explained that she never went to the police because she, quote, didn't even know if they would believe me, end quote. And as an aspiring artist, which is, again, how she came into contact with Kelly in the first place, she didn't want to be, quote, blacklisted from the industry by wow. ratting him out. Not ratting him out, but you know what I mean. 
Um, Jeez. Uh, yeah. On September 1st, Minister Nathan Edmund testified that he did indeed marry Kelly and Aaliyah and that Kelly and his team allegedly tried to get him to sign an NDA, but he refused because he basically said it was laughable and didn't hold any water. Um, he also said that he couldn't really see who Aaliyah was. She had a hood on and yeah. it covered her face. Jeez. Um, but he did give Kelly his word that he wouldn't say anything about the marriage, to which I say, wouldn't that make you question this? Yeah. a little bit yeah but whatever weird? yeah but so yeah so then on september 13th one of kelly's backup dancers former backup dancers who went by angela said that in 1993 she accidentally walked in on an alleged quote sexual situation when she opened the door to kelly's tour bus with another dancer to pull a prank on the singer and angela said that she saw Aaliyah, who at the time was like 13 or 14 sitting on a chair with Kelly kneeling in front of her and performing oral sex on her. She testified, quote, I closed the door abruptly and pushed the girl behind me away from the door, end quote, and said that she never brought it up again. Mm. Angela also said that when she first met Kelly in 1991, she was 14 or 15 and that she and her friend Tiffany had gone to a party at his Chicago apartment where Kelly allegedly, quote, or summoned, quote, all of us, one by one, all of the young ladies, end quote, to join him in a separate room, at which point, quote, he asked me to climb on top of him. I paused for a moment. I was a little startled, end quote, but ultimately she complied. And I shouldn't say that. She she did it. She felt pressured and she did it. Um, the, quote, the defendant asked me to straddle him and to ride him. I asked if I could grab a condom, end quote. She continued. And when he said he didn't have one, she allegedly told him that she did well she didn't allegedly she told him that she did she she used yeah. the condom and quote after that i proceeded to put the condom on the gentleman and straddled him and quote they then had sex she said and continued to do so regularly over the next few years and touring with him um and Aliyah allegedly came along so she could quote see what or see quote what traveling road life was like end quote Aaliyah said he would blow up at any of the young women accompanying him. Uh, one night, for example, he caught them coming back from a food run that he hadn't signed off on and allegedly told them, quote, we would all have to put out that night. It was dues time, end quote. Ugh. And Angela said something to the effect of, like, I'm calling my mom. And then he goes, oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Jesus. Yeah. So I'm sure it's not going to take the jury an extremely long time to come to a verdict. But given that we're recording this the day after their first meeting, I don't think it's completely out there to say that uh, who knows, there might be a verdict by the time this episode comes out. But after this trial, Kelly still faces more charges, including federal charges for child pornography and obstruction charges in the Northern District of Illinois, state charges for aggravated criminal sexual abuse in Illinois, and criminal charges for two counts of engaging in prostitution with a minor in Minnesota. So really, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Yeah. He's a real piece of shit, isn't he? <sighs> the worst piece of shit. Wow. Um, Like, I really hope he gets what he deserves. But next, we've got the wood chipper murder, which is episode 181. Um, this is a short one. Every day I remind Michael that my hands and feet are cold because I have Renaud's and last night he threatened to put me through a wood chipper if I said it one more time. Um, so that was very relevant, I felt, to this case because I, too, am a woman from Connecticut. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and then Did the he listen to the episode? 
You know, I don't know. And I did think about asking him. But again, having just been threatened to be put through a wood chipper, if I complained that my hands and feet are cold because I have renauds one more time, I, right. I, I felt like I was maybe pushing my luck. All right. <laughs> Next up, we've got the West Virginia Coal Wars, which is episode 189. And I, I, this I just thought was kind of, it was like a, you know how they say history repeats itself? Yeah. So Amazon recently announced that they are building factory towns. Have you heard about this? Yeah. And the I, end I was of civilization. Gonna... Well, it's the end of civilization. And I also, I have to laugh that I asked you this when I'm the one who I believe sent you the article in the first place. Probably. I remembered that after the fact. No, I did. I did. Um, I, I think it was like from Bloomberg or something. Somebody big broke the story. Um, but yeah, I just i want to say that like i think we all know how this is going to go and i'm not, not saying great. jeff bezos would do the whole thing where it's like okay you get like money taken out of your check for toiletries and you don't get paid actual money you get paid in like chits and like shit yeah. like that i'm not saying he would do it i'm not saying he wouldn't try i'm saying it's it it probably happen slower than what they did but it it's headed that way it's headed that way and like it's not like this dude doesn't pay taxes you mean to tell me that he can't get away with or or there was just recently a ruling that um employees can't be fired in like warehouses they didn't say specifically amazon but it's basically like in places like amazon Mm -hmm. um that like if and if employees are given like say like a huge quota that involves them like having to forego breaks and like work in extreme conditions and shit yeah. like that they can't get fired for failing to meet those quotas anymore which should have been like a yeah. thing already but um that's, that's yeah fucking bullshit i i just but if it took that long for that sort of checks and balances to come out i mean i wouldn't be surprised if we had another west virginia cold wars situation on our hand coming up and yeah just get me my red bandana i'll march with y'all like this dude that's why he's test driving his little spaceships is because he knows that his time is up and it's time to get the fuck out of here Mm -hmm. because we're all coming and we're all team mckenzie yeah yeah but that's all that's all so if you don't hear from me next week i'm in a wood chipper okay you heard it here first it's not my fault i have renauds all right i get it (laughs) that's what michael always says uh, but yeah, so we went a little over on this episode. There's going to be more. We're, there's going to be more updates on the Patreon. And speaking of the Patreon, this being our 200th episode, it's a big milestone. And uh, obviously, I want to thank every single person that has subscribed to our Patreon, past, future, but mostly our present supporters. Mm-hmm. Um, every single person that has given us even a dollar has been a literal godsend we highly highly love and uh, can't thank you enough uh specifically sarah travis angel cakes asmr stevie melissa lucian catalina kim Janny, and camilla um we love every single one of you thank you guys so much and we're looking to give you even more fun patreon content coming up so um you will not be disappointed. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> but yeah. And I think that's it for us. Yeah. I think we're I think we're set here. I hope y'all are set, because yeah. we're set. 
Um, if you like what you've heard, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We can always use more positive reviews. Um, we're we're good, I think, on the negative reviews. I think I, I think, think we, we've met yeah, our quota. I think we're good on um, that. Yeah, but but always we could use more positive reviews. Um, and then you can, if you're interested in joining our Patreon, you can do so for as little as a dollar, as much as whatever you want. Uh-huh. Um, we have an email address. It is crimeculturepodcast at gmail.com. No, it's crimeculturepod. Crime I always confuse the two. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We are not on LinkedIn. And one person actually asked us recently if we were on TikTok. And that's a hard no because I... You I'm girl's already... too old for this shit. No, I'm not too old. Well, I mean, you might be, but I'm not too old. <laughs> I just... I I... I'm already so deep in that rabbit hole that if I go deeper, I will never come back out. Um, I feel like there's a that's what she said joke somewhere in there. Are we still doing those? Um, I don't let's know. see. I old. think that's <laughs> Haley's old. I am old. Uh, and that's, I think that's that. That's, that's it. That's how the cookie crumbles. That's thank you for listening. This is unbelievable that we've hit 200 episodes. Yeah, it's pretty wild. That's, yeah, but and this is give a shit. I I'm scrolling through our our very um, official um, Google Doc right now of all of our episodes. I believe this is the yes, it is. It's the last episode before Spooktober. It is. So you know what that means. Two episodes a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. If you are a subscriber of the uh, ten dollar tier on Patreon, rather than getting a uh, a poll this month or this coming month you will get the entire list of all of the episodes that we are doing in october so you Heaven get help us yes you get a sneak preview <laughs> of everything that we're talking about mm-hmm. and um it's gonna be fun we have maybe a guest on the podcast <gasps> we do we have maybe some spooky stories uh we always have spooky stories we maybe have talk it's a crowd of- fave of uh halloween on tv possibly i don't know i, I love know. halloween on tv i love halloween one might even say it's a sneak of the it sneak might go preview. so far okay i love but, a sneaky preview uh yeah so get ready for spooktober and get your um secret satan gifts out Remember, we want to open our secret satan gifts on halloween when we do our live stream on halloween so Por favor. if you are part of our secret Satan gift exchange this year, send you gifts. I'm going to be sending mine on Monday. I'm going to be sending mine. Okay, hey, like, good. Can you remind me to send mine on Monday too, please? Okay, good. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're way over. So we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. Bye. 200 buys for 200 episodes. Ready? And bye, go. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs>